This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Dune by Gale Force 9. Episode 117, Dune. Learning Harkonnen, or Harkonnen, whatever, leave me alone. Music by Brian Capillus. Hosted by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins. It's been an onslaught. It's been nothing. It's been nothing but tournament games all week. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I well, I can't say that I'm wildly tired because I have done a pithy, a pithy comparison to what our our moderators have done. I I can't even compete with how much work they've put into this tournament. But I'm I feel tired on behalf of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we should be opening every single show for the next couple months with yeah. a big thank you to uh, Jefferson, Vision S, and I am Katie, because uh, it's, oh my god, y'all. It, yeah. it is, we've gotten so many games done, though. We are a third yeah. of the way Literally, through the yep, prelims. Literally, as of last night, we are a third of the way through 12 games out of 36 prelim games done. Yep. Uh, and yeah, moving at a, at a brisk pace. It'll start to slow down. It'll definitely slow down as... The player pool dwindles and we start dipping into the people that are are uh have a harder time responding or have less availability you know the, the people that are on the front end are like yeah i'm available 24 7 all right, i care right. about is ti so i can play anytime and now we're getting into the like well i kind of only have weekends and you know that'll keep petering off so it's gonna it's gonna slow down i'm still kind of expecting maybe like a mid february to late february end on the prelims yeah. that's like my yeah. random shot in the dark guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm really I'm really excited. Um, just in general, I'm super excited for all the progress that we've made um, and all of the. I don't know. Um, I really look forward to the tournament update part of yeah. this episode. Uh, right. We do have we we do have a proper episode for you first. Um, yeah, but... so that's enough about Ti until later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We exactly. Gotta, we we gotta can't talk about Ti too much. You heard the different music today. The different music means it's Dune time. Right. We gotta uh, talk about Dune. So today, a is... game we're very much still interested in and yeah. not kind of completely <laughs> distracted from in a major way. <laughs> Um, but well, yeah. I, I I should say it's become almost impossible for me to play. If anyone, you don't have the Dune video up quite yet, uh, mm-hmm. do you? Uh, but that'll be this week. Yeah, yes, but that, we're gonna, we're gonna have a Dune that video by Friday up this or week Saturday. where Hunter played with uh, my local group while he was here in town. And I guess after that game, my local group said, "You know what? We don't want to play Dune anymore. We right. don't, we don't like you." Uh, all those people they, quit. They, it was just too intense for them. Uh, they're all in on root. And so we're kind of just like, I guess I'll play Root with them, and i got to figure out a different way to play Dune. So it's been tricky for me to uh, to figure out how to get Dune games in. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, just to kind of tease the video when it does come out, um, that that game, the way that game kind of played out was it was a bit of a slog. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, kind of salt um, happening. There, there, me, that's, that's probably, a theme of oh the holiday spectacular week. The, the week oh, of Christmas sure. was just us salty at each other. Salty games. Well, the root games weren't that salty. No, um, they weren't. But what they were just was sleepy? Yeah, they were sleepy. Um, me and if you've ever, if you've ever felt like me and EJ just get along too well, 
this is the one to watch as a kind of anti that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, I don't know. There's a lot of salt between the two of us. We get kind of we get pretty grumpy at each other, and then and then and then there it is. It ends so perfectly, and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's actually for the end. In a weird way, it's kind of the best Dune game of all time. Um, <laughs> in a weird way, it is. Uh, but what are we talking about today, Matt? We are talking about how to play the mean, fighty yep. bad boys. Now say of their Dune. name. And, and you better say it correctly, or the internet will burn Rark- you alive. It's Harkonnen. The Harkonnen. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's Harkonnen. Maybe it's Harkonnen. I listened no, to an not- audiobook, and they said Harkonnen. They may have said Harkonnen a few times. I take it as one of those things where it's, it's like, not depends Harkonnen. on your dialect. It's not Harkonnen. All there right. is that website from like 1994. You heard it here first. Where you can hear Frank Herbert. It's so literally Harkonnen. just like it has every D, uh, Dune term and you just click on it and you just hear frank herbert say it and he says harkonnen bam that's the proof yep. i needed at the beginning of this episode yeah it's not proof i i had myself but i'm glad to hear you say it but let's talk about the harkonnen and what their uh what their whole shebang is right I yeah mean, let's get into the basics uh we did this with the atreides episode again let's oh, I, I do want to give the preface of this of this episode which is to say it's not a guide uh if if anything you could say it is a guide to trying to learn Harkonnen, right? We're not saying yeah. these are the top tier strategies and this is how you execute them and bam, bam, right. bam. This is like, let's take a glance at all of the stuff they've got and give you kind of a like, hey, here's how you can get going with them. And, and then you go develop your strategies from there with right. your specific uh, meta. These these learning episodes are based off of a handful of games, yep. a pretty small number of games, plus um, ideas that are kind of already out there in the ether. Right. Uh, and then also the pre errata that we get from our, uh, Patreoners. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of what builds these. They're not, they're not these like perfect little like things that we put all of this crazy amount of work into. Right. These are kind of like our overview ideas. Yeah. This is an overview of what the community seems to say and feel about Carthag mixed with our own opinions and our own experience. So yes, Harkonnen, uh, starts with 10, uh, what do we call them in this game? They start with 10 men, 10 dudes, 10, dudes. 10 ladies, 10, 10 soldiers. Uh, so they're on Carthag, which uh, we should go ahead and say is a pretty good stronghold. Uh, it's it's centrally located. I would say it's probably the best starting best spot. position. Yep. Yeah, you're, you're yep. close to many things. Uh, and yeah, you basically have access to two local other strongholds. So if you want to make a jump on those, you like always kind of have that option in your back pocket. So mm-hmm. Carthag, not a bad place to start. Uh, you start with 10 in your reserves, obviously. Uh, you start with 10 spice, which is the upper limit of what you can start with. And right. uh, that's that's a very good start. Your it is lead, a good start, but yeah, you, you have to be careful. Uh, yeah, you do to, have to be careful I just want to go ahead. You, you don't, you're not one of those factions that has easy you're not a money access faction. to yeah, money, money making. Uh, right. you, your leaders are a 1, 2, 3, 4, and a 6, which is like decent eh. ends really good bottom bottom half is pretty bad your yep. one and your two and your three are like meh but the four and the six are, are all right that, that that helps and you get two free revivals so let's kind of hunter give me your breakdown on just all that stuff all that stuff you start with and your your super sure. super basic things what's your take on harkonnen so it's a good i think it's a very good start overall um we're going to kind of cut we're going to cover their abilities next and their abilities kind of factor into how good of a first round right. 
uh, Harkonnen can have. Yeah. Uh, the leader situation is interesting. I kind of wish their leaders were a bit better, but they do have uh, an ability that allows them to capture other people's leaders. So maybe the reason their leaders aren't that great is they're kind of like structured knowing like, well, you're probably going to steal some other leaders right. um, and bolster that up a little bit. Uh, the, your six is uh, Fade Roth, yeah. I think is Fade how you Ralpha. say his name. Yeah, however you say it, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I, d- I don't. It's a book. Uh, yeah, it's a book, y'all. Um, I'm, I, I read it to myself and yeah. my children, and that's and I, I read said, it. However I, I read said it. Hermione for the first six years I read Harry oh Potter. Oh my god! So that's, come on, that makes leave me alone. Yeah, Hermoin, I think is what I called her. Yeah, Hermoin. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so your six. Um, there's this. There's this thing I feel like that happens in Dune, which is all the best uh, leaders. There's a lo- there's a pretty high likelihood that somebody drew them as a traitor, right? Because if you think about the odds, there's four cards going out to six players, um, and you know you're one of those players, so you don't have to obviously you don't have to worry about the ones you get. Right. Um, but everybody else, there's that's five players with four cards each. That's twenty cards. If any of them got fade, I bet you they picked it. Yeah, especially because you're Harkonnen, because that's the yeah. only thing they got against your whole leader situation. So yeah. you're you're better off keeping a traitor in your back pocket of Harkonnens. So that's what's kind of scary about playing as Harkonnen, is you're good at fighting, but the likelihood that somebody has one of your traitors is, I think, higher than... It's sort of like the principle that we talk about in TI of, like, there are certain action cards that the whole table is going to want to sabotage. Um like public disgrace, like that th- that kind of stuff. Um, but let's talk about their abilities. Let's just go straight into that. Um, so their first ability is uh, called Traitors. Um, basically, it's pretty simple. At the beginning of the game, when all of the Traitors are dealt, Harkonnen gets to keep all four. Right. So there's no choice you make. You just have them. Um, it's probably my least favorite ability uh, that the Harkonnen have. Uh, it's, traitors it's are kind my of... least favorite ability in the game. Yeah, Honestly? it's just, it's kind of, it's fine. It's yeah. not great. Um, traders are kind of a crapshoot, right? right? Like, I mean, it's like, you, like, I don't, I guess one thing that I don't understand about Dune at this point, and, and we, we keep, every time we talk about Dune, we're always like, and there, there are these like Dune wizards out right. there if they well, want to like. They've been playing it for 30 years. Right. If, if any Dune wizards want to walk out of the desert and come talk to us <laughs> and explain any of these things, you totally, we would totally appreciate it. Um, but like. Traders seem hard to plan your strategies around because yeah. it's like I have to plan to like so many times I've had a trader and um, I'll be like, oh, man, so I better I better make sure to not ally with so and so because I have their trader. So it would be good if I fought them. Right. But then they just get in a fight with somebody else and they their leader gets killed. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, my trader is useless, useless, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I relate it. I relate it to the the Benny Gesserit prediction ability. Yes, of course, you can kind of play into it, but at the end of the day, it's it happens or it doesn't. I don't I don't right. know what to tell you, man. It's rough. Um, so, yeah. Um, and also, like, I've read a lot of. Uh, I haven't done this myself, but there are people that are kind of like, you have all these traders. Maybe don't even use them. Like, right. let's say you have, like, a frivolous opportunity to use a trader. Sure. Um, it's worth noting that if you save your traders for only fights that are a huge, big deal, that where you need to, to spend the trader, the meta standing of, like, oh, Harkonnen has four traders and we don't know about them at all right. is maybe more valuable than spending a trader in some cases. You know what yeah, I mean? That's like a, that's a really strong case. I mean, if, if you know, if... 
Fremen is going to spend their seven on me over a fight over three spice, why not give Fremen a false sense of security that, oh, right. they didn't play the traitor last time I fought them with the yeah, seven. Exactly. Now, later in the game, round six, I, it's a huge decisive battle. Fremen thinks they've got my number, so they play their seven, and now this time I get to pop, you know, and, and make Stilgar go bye-bye. Yeah, uh, that, and now that I get to make like Stilgar very, go bye -bye. very powerful. So it it is a it is a it's a you have an added layer of deception, which obviously on theme that that's going to continue through all their other mechanics as well. But that you kind of need to leverage that deception idea against your opponents and and be timely with when right. you decide to reveal the information that you have, because that's kind of all you have in your back pocket is the is the mystery of what you might be capable of. Yeah. Um, their second ability is called Treachery. Um, it works like this. It's pretty simple. Anytime they buy a card in the bidding phase, they also draw one from the top of the deck. Um, more mysteries. Yeah. Uh, and their hand limit is eight instead of four. Right. So they get more Treachery cards in general. Um, they also, it's notable that they are getting cards that uh, Atreides doesn't know about. If you guys remember, we even mentioned this in our Atreides episode that like yeah. Harkonnen has cards you don't know about. Obviously, this means you need to keep track of those hidden cards. Like that is like the oh, important yeah. meta side. You need to remember what do people know about? What do people not know about? Um, one thing I did that is super simple is literally I just set them in two separate piles. Yeah. I was like on my left, those are all the cards that Atreides has seen. Right. On the right are all the cards that Atreides has not seen. But be careful of especially, uh, you know, smart Atreides players, when you go to actually play your cards, pull up both your stacks, you know, oh, of put course. them together or whatever. Like, don't let them know you're you're playing a card from the things they don't know about. Kind of, if, if you have any other abilities to, to keep up the treachery and keep up the, you know, the, the mystery, you need to be doing that. So, yes, make sure you have a system in place to know which of your cards they do and don't know about. And I think this is sort of the same idea as, like, if you can hold off on using your mysterious cards, especially against Atreides, you're probably better off doing that. Like, if you, if, if you can get by without doing that, that seems like a smart idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, treachery is good because... It, treachery is an interesting ability because it's one of those things that kind of wears off as we go. Um, your your hand, generally speaking, you're probably unless you just have really horrible luck and draw a bunch of worthless cards or something like that. Right. Um, you're you're gonna have a, a hand that's like set up, right? And, yes. and when we say set up, we mean like you have a you have defense, you have attack. Right. Uh, you you just have some basic. That's really uh, cards all you're you looking need. for. You're looking for a, a yeah a defense and attack, a really fun card, you know, one of those crazy ones, and then like I don't know, just one more at least one more thing. You know, the 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 cheap heroes are not always so bad. Uh, right. You're, you're you want to weed out the worthless cards. You don't have so much of a use for them, but um, but yeah, just just trying to get get a good setup for like basically any fight yeah um and what i want to say about this ability though is i think this is the ability that gets people to make early game mistakes as harkonnen mm -hmm. you are you are most powerful early game but i, I but i want to say don't start playing and then realize like oh, i've got so many more treachery cards than everybody else and get kind of cocky and think you can just like pick fights right away right. we need we're we're gonna pick some fights early game probably but we want it to be smart basically right over things um, that are definite gains too like don't yes. don't just go picking fights to like dwindle other people's forces like right. you need to be really earning something out and of the it. fact that nobody knows about your hand is something you should exploit um there is a tactic that i saw brought up again and again uh i was not able to get it to ever work myself but i think that's because 
the group that I've been playing with is not very susceptible to like Dune meta uh-huh. or like they don't really like the meta of the game. So sure. they don't really indulge it. But I think most groups would probably be game for a kind of like, cause like we're, we're a hunting spice faction. That's the only way we get right. money. We're not right. like the emperor or like the spacing guild. We're going to have to go out and, and uh, go for spice blow like everybody else. Um, What's interesting about Harkonnen is early game, when that early game spice blow is happening, they're in Carthag. They can probably, they have ornithopters, they can move three, meaning they can probably get to any spice blow. And with like a pretty significant amount of forces um, most of the time. So what I found people say uh, is that, hey, you can just kind of extort a little bit of the spice blow. You can say, like, let's say the Fremen have uh, the spice locked down. You can say, hey, I could come attack you here, and I will probably win because I have card advantage. It's early game. I'll probably win the fight. I would rather not, though. Can I have some of your spice in order for us to not fight here? Oh, interesting. I have seen that um, as a tactic that people bring up frequently. Yeah. And that's, I feel yeah, that's, the need to mention it. That's a level of it. Dune I haven't tapped into yet. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Um, so people people kind of talk about this early game uh, style Harkonnen, where it's more about you emphasizing your strength Right. In order to get a few bucks. Right. Um, well, and because what you're also saying in that is, hey, we could both lose some units. And then there's a decent chance that not only are you going to lose the spice, but you're going to lose cards. Because when you lose the fight, you lose the cards that you spent in the fight. So, like, yes. you're, you're saying, I, you could just give me some spice, pay me off, and then you won't lose all that other stuff that is way more difficult for you to get a hold of. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of like, I think there's a way to play Harkonnen where you're basically like, all right, so... I am stronger at the beginning, and I want to translate that into some early bucks because my economy is uh, not great. Yeah. Um, I think we should probably move on to the next ability. Yeah, uh, I wanted to say is... one thing before that. Yeah, though, go ahead. Which is just obviously don't write the checks you can't cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, sometimes people will call that bluff, and they won't pay you, and maybe you do need to go ahead and go jump on them. So don't don't pick that fight about the spice if you actually have not gained any good cards. Uh, you yeah. maybe need to find a new strategy. But if you do get the good cards, you don't necessarily need to go using them. You could probably just extort people for what they've got. That's a pretty good just overall board game advice, yeah, like yeah. overall strategy advice is don't threaten something that is like not that there's no way you're going to back up the threat right um because we're talking early game right so you round one threaten the spice blow thing they say no i don't really want to give you the money you don't back it up and now your word is worthless yeah exactly yeah now no one's going to listen to your threats no one's going to negotiate with with uh you as a terrorist um (laughs) all right so i want to move on to their next ability this is like the their only advanced uh game ability um and i want to read it because it's a little it's a little more specific mm-hmm. than the other two abilities. Those abilities, I think, are really straightforward. Basically, anyone gets that can get those. Um, captured leaders. Every time you win a battle, you can either randomly select one leader from the loser, including the leader used in the battle, if not killed, but excluding all leaders already used elsewhere that turn, and place the leader face down in the Tylaxu tanks to gain two spice from the spice bank. Or... You can keep the leader and use it once in a battle, after which, if it wasn't killed during that battle, you must return that leader to its faction. When all of your own leaders have been killed, you must return all captured leaders immediately to their factions. Killed captured leaders are put in the Talaxu tanks, from which their faction can revive them, subject to the revival rules. A captured Mm -hmm. leader used in a battle may be claimed as a traitor. Um, So that... That ability is very, very interesting. Right. Um, it's 
a little counterintuitive because like already we've kind of laid down like, all right, we're Harkonnen, we're good at fighting. We don't necessarily just want to go straight for fighting. But Captured Leaders kind of allows you to like, if you win a fight, if you pick the right fight and you capture a leader, that's kind of, um, it's kind of like the idea of the cheap, the cheap hero, right? So it's right. like kind of a burner hero that yeah, you can yeah. use now. And you might even capture a really good one. It's random, but let's say you get one that's awesome. You get Stilgar or something. Now you have like a better leader in the pocket, basically. Right. Um, you can only use it once. Obviously, that's like important to remember. Um, you're, you're not going to get a bunch of use out of it, but um, it's it kind of helps us get more gas in the tank, if yeah. that makes sense. So, And, and you're left with a choice here, and it, you seem to be saying it's almost definitely better to go ahead and capture the leader over just killing an extra leader, which is kind of the alternative. You get to just, like, go yeah. ahead and throw him in the Talaxu tank. Well, so, I mean, I, I'm saying that basically consistent with everything we've talked about already, capturing the leader is going to help you make it further into the game. Right. However... Killing two leaders is very potent yeah, uh, sure. and makes you very scary and is another thing to emphasize when you're doing this kind of meta-threatening play. Because right. it's like, hey, if I pick a smart fight with somebody early game and I win, I'm going to kill two of your leaders. Like, that—that right. that is wild. Yeah, I can make this very costly for you, so pay yeah. me off. Yeah. Um, but also, like, yeah, ki killing two leaders uh, in a, like, in a decisive... Uh, fight is a very big deal nobody yeah. wants to lose a fight to you and you need to you need to remind people of that of like hey losing a fight to me is really really painful um let's talk about their karama ability yeah uh their karama ability is is really interesting to me it's kind of a like oh my god you've had a really rough game so right. let's like this reset didn't go right and it's, it's time the to, reset yeah, time to try again um so in the karama ability you take cards from another player uh straight from their hand but you give them cards from your hand um, so it's, it's actually, you, I mean, you can use this to really like, let's say you get a bunch of, um, what are they called? Worthless cards yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, you get a bunch of those, you spend a Karama card and you basically just ruin someone's hand. Like you just ruin it. Basically. That's another thing you could do. So you can either, this can either be a very good reset for you if you just have a horrible hand or you can just destroy someone who has a really solid hand. Right. Um, I think either kind of makes sense. Um, Karama cards are interesting because, like, a lot of the times I just want to use them to save money. Like, right. on I want yeah, to use all them to those get a other uses of Karama. So, are we really going to get into the wacky, you know, special ability that I could do? I don't think Harkonnen, uh, Harkonnens are one of the better abilities to do that with. I, I, there, I mean, obviously, there are certain factions where the Karama is like, hey, this is going to do swell. Uh, yeah. But I, I, you know, this is a if you need it kind of thing. If you right. need it, if you got it, did you get the Karama? in the hand that you then want to get rid of cards in the rest of that hand. Like that, that's kind of a lot to ask uh, out of a, out of a Karama card. It's a lot of chance that you're leaving things up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our Alliance ability. Um, our Alliance ability, uh, I think sucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't think people really want to ally with Hark Harkonnen I mean, like for we already this ability. Said, their, their ability, their trader ability is maybe the worst one in the game. And that's uh -huh. the only thing you have to offer your allies. Well, right, so, it's not the only thing you have to offer, but ability wise, that's the only thing you have to offer. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we kind of just glossed over it, but it basically we, our traders can be used by our ally. Yeah. That's it. 
Um, I would say the rule of thumb for this ability is like you don't need to show like yeah. it's like it's kind of like Atreides and showing your book to your ally. Right. Um, you don't necessarily need to show all your traders to your ally. Um, I would say it, they kind of only only show them stuff if it's going to influence their decision. Because again, alliances are not permanent right. in um, Dune. So if you give up, you know, if you give up all that information and then they switch sides, it could come right. back. To the way I you. would shape this is more like, oh, I'm in an alliance with someone and we have like a couple optional targets. I'll push my ally in the direction of the person who I've got the better traders against or whatever, right? Oh, I've got Stilgar, and Fremen is one of our possible targets. Hey, yeah, why don't you go ahead and go handle Fremen because we might be able to do just fine there. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to reveal, you know, what all you have, but but you can tell them what, what the better pathways are. Yeah. So this is not, like, really going to encourage people to want to be your ally. Um, mm -hmm. However, I think... The way that you encourage people to want to ally with you in Dune uh, as Harkonnen is by having a strong position on the board. Basically, all you can really lend people is the strongholds that you have maintained control over. Right. And the likelihood that you're going to keep Carthag is pretty high. Yeah. Nobody wants to fight you. Atreides does not want to fight you. They, they could maybe even win the fight, but if they don't win, it's going to hurt them really badly. Yeah. They do not want to do that. Um, mo most... Most... Uh, most everybody in the early game just can't fight you, basically. Right. They can't afford to fight you. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to want to. So therefore, you're as long as you play correctly in the early game, you hopefully have a strong position. And that's maybe why people want to ally with you. Right. I, I will even, I'm going to throw in the, the counterpoint to that, which I don't think is a super strong one, but I think it's going to be why you still continue to maybe see some resistance to getting an ally. Basically, the end result being Harkonnen is just hard to get allies with as um but if you are an ally with someone and you do have a good you know hold on carthag you've basically made it to where they never get to use carthag's ornithopters so that yep, that's annoying that's true. um and especially specifically in carthag someone who gets to be atreides's partner can drop you know a stack of people in carthag but then like ship them out somewhere else three movements away for you and and, that, and those three movements can get you to lots of really really useful places you don't get to offer that to your ally. You know, your ally has to go ship things into Arakeen or elsewhere, yep. and yep. it's a long trek to any other position on the board. So, um, you know, it it's you need to be very clearly in the in, you know in the winning position on Carthag, so that they just trust that you're going to be able to do that. If anything, you need to have Carthag in one other territory, so that they're just like, hey, if I partner with them, all I got to do is go get my two, and we're done. Counterpoint to your counterpoint <laughs> of the two places that you can ship to get ornithopters, Carthag is the one where you have to fight Harkonnen and right. possibly lose like, two leaders. Right. So if you don't right. have a cheap hero, that can... I mean, actually, even if you have a cheap hero, it doesn't matter. They could still kill a random leader. Right. right. So sure. I would say... I would probably, if I was not playing as Harkonnen, be kind of like, all right, well, yeah, I don't get to jump into Carthag, but Arakeen is the one that you want to jump into anyways. Yeah. Right. So I can maybe handle Atreides, but... Harkonnen yeah. is scary. So let's break down uh, what it is like to kind of ally up with the different factions and how we feel about whether or not that's good. We've already covered that they probably don't feel great coming to your table, but if you can get them, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, let's yeah. do that first one. And we've sort of talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it from the Harkonnen's perspective now. Harkonnen and Atreides. What what kind of uh, what kind of alliance is that? Um, I think it's counterproductive. Uh, generally, I mean, what, you're kind of just doubling up on fighty points right. and now what Atreides is maybe 
going to want to know about the cards that you've been keeping from them. Right. <laughs> uh, which is like a little weird. I just think that you're better at hurting their game than they are at making your game better. Right. Um, the temptation there, I can see, though, you're both players that start with like a solid footing yeah, big um, on the board. Big big stack on the two places where everybody wants to be. Um, so that's kind of tempting. But then also, like, I don't know, it just does... it. It feels, it feels like a win more, and not right. and not so because we're going to talk about Benny Jesuit later, which is also like, all right, now you guys are super fighty. The Benny Jesuit combination seems lethal, right. whereas the Atreides one, it's like, yeah, they kind of help you, uh, they kind of help you win the fight, but not, you know, not to such a degree where it seems important. Yeah, it just it's not filling any gaps for you. It's not solving any problems you really have. Um, you're already treacherous. Why do you need? help from the person who knows a bunch of stuff about other people's things. Like, you, it, sure, that's going to help as much as it helps anybody, but it doesn't specifically help your strengths in, yeah. in a way that you... Or it, it doesn't help your weaknesses in, in basically any way. Right. Um, Fremen. Let's talk about Fremen. Uh, and, and also, generally, we're kind of talking about these, like, in order of how much I like the Alliance right. um, kind of going up. Um, Fremen is interesting because, like we said earlier, you're kind of a Spice Blow faction. You're going to be running around, uh, using your ornithopters to try and pick up uh, the spice off the ground. And Fremen kind of helps you do that. That They're already interested in doing that. Um, so you can kind of work out a little like, all right, you go for this one, I go for this one kind of mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they can kind of, I mean, obviously they help you if you get caught in a storm. That's pretty nice. Right, you get to just go hang out in the in the waste. Right. Um, but that's pretty much it. It just feels a little meh. I don't know. Um, I think... In general, Fremen Fremen is kind of like Harkonnen in that, or Harkonnen, in that uh, I don't see ver- a very strong reason to ally with them almost ever. Yeah, basically. I mean, my understanding with Fremen is that sort of slow and steady wins the race approach to winning the game. Maybe, you know, obviously Fremen have the ability to just like suddenly drop all of their uh, dudes on the map and then go hit somewhere. And so you, you and them together could like very easily do a surprise round strike and that seems lucrative but that Mm -hmm. also seems really up to chance Uh, and so you're you're not developing like a really strong strategy you're both just waiting for that timing to happen in a way that benefits you Um, right so that that doesn't feel especially strong i definitely i could see a harkin and fremen alliance being very strong it's just a little bit circumstantial yeah and positionally i feel like uh, i feel like I mean, basically, the addendum to this whole section of our learning things is that if it's for positional reasons, then any faction will do. Right. You know what I mean? If it's exactly. like, if I'm going to round eight and two people have been kind of wiped out and then, oh, you have a chance to go do a thing. Please go do the thing. Yeah, I, I, exactly. That great. Um, next, we're going to talk about Emperor, um, the first of the like two, you know, everybody wants to ally with right. with these guys. Money. I actually feel like, yes, um, Emperor uh what i mean it's fun to to be with the emperor because of uh the weird uh helping out with the bidding phase type stuff they always have a lot of money right um do you but i kind of feel like most of the time harkonnen is going to get their hand set up pretty quickly right because they're getting the extra card draw so i feel like this actually isn't as helpful for them than it is for a lot of other factions definitely um now there is that money though, so I mean it's it's never a bad idea. It's just like maybe there's a better, um, maybe there's a slightly better uh, like Option. partner yeah. in the spacing guild. Yeah, the thing I I think that kind of boosts Emperor in my mind is if we're talking about factions that 
uh, I maybe want to strike while the iron is hot. I've got a good hand. I'm ready to go. Sometimes Emperor is just like not even on the map for a while. Sometimes the Emperor just kind of sits and cooks for a while and then decides to drop everything all at once or half mm -hmm. their stuff all at once. So it might be round three before Emperor even actually decides to join the map. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so having them as a tool in your arsenal can be pretty useful since they're really not going to even be somebody you can target anyways. So it's like they're not much of an enemy. So why not get that money? Yes, yeah, is, is yeah. kind of the vibe. I, I still agree that it's like, eh, it only goes so far. But I get that being, if you're looking at the board position, it's like, Emperor's not even out there. Why wouldn't I ally with them? I have nothing to, I have nothing to lose by, like, gaining access to their huge stack of strong, powerful warriors, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and let them go dump on the southern hemisphere while I jump on the top. Right. Um, yeah, I think there is a pretty big distance between Fremen and Emperor. I think we just jumped a really big yes. gap in talking of quality of alliance. Um, next one I want to move on to is Benny Gesserit. Um, obviously, they're kind of always a, a favorite as far as like just using the voice right. is such a potent uh, combat ability. And you're always you're already really good at fighting, so it feels a little bit win more. But I think it's so crazy, the combination of like you with all of your traders and all your cards, and also Benny Gesserit is like telling them what they can and right. can't use. That is just I think it's just kind of an insane level of it's like win more but actually to the point where it's like, wow, this actually feels um, viable. Right. Basically. And then sneaking their advisors in a certain place is, is going to maybe lead to some, you know, round six or seven pretty amazing scenarios. I, I don't yeah. think this is an early game thing. You know, you're, you're not you're not joining an alliance with Benny Gesserit in round two or three. Well, uh, so to, to a great success. I will say this, though, because it feels like if you get Benny Gesserit early, um, like early on when Harkonnen has the hand advantage, yeah. it feels like, okay, so if we could just win two fights, yeah, and then that's it. We won, basically. Right. And Benny Gesserit gives you voice, which makes it feel like, oh my god, now we've got a crazy amount of combat advantage. So... Like, let's just go let's for just win. it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's that's, just... that's, that's like your round two attempt at victory, right? Is like, oh, the, the first thing that flipped over was a worm. We had a nexus. I become BG uh, ally so that maybe round two, we just straight up win it and the game's already over. 20 minutes yeah. and we're done. Yep. Um, now we should talk about the big the, one. The, big one, the, <laughs> the number one. Probably your best um, is the Spacing Guild uh, for all the money reasons like normal, but also like... The the whole thing about Harkonnen is that we can surprise win more fights than most people. Yeah. Um, so that so it really synergizes well with Spacing Guild's ability to just like let us move troops cheaper yeah. and right. ship like all all of the uh, mixing up of the shipping and movement. That's all very fantastic. And also the fact that Spacing Guild themselves can drop into the order whenever they want that. Yeah, that is just a potent right. uh, combination. Can we give well. can we give some of the credit for some? I, I think some of these things are pretty obvious, but uh, one of our listeners, Ginger, really laid out a lot of details. Oh yeah, I'm about to just read Ginger's. About, thing yeah, we're, we're about up. to kind of just recite a yeah. lot of what Ginger said because he 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 sets it up very well for like what yeah. we're really talking about when we talk about spacing guild and uh, and Harkin and Alliance. Yeah, so um, this is this is from Ginger. Uh, I agree with pretty much all of this, but I will I have kind of noted like the things that I feel about it um so it's a deterrent um 
for the large like Har- Harkonnen stacks, they synergize well with the guild's stall machine, like I basically just said. Um, keeping two sizable Harkonnen stacks also synergizes well with cross-planet shipping, as that means dudes on the planet are as flexible as dudes in space. Um, you're a great fighter, and Space and Guild lets you plan excellent surprise attacks because Space and Guild goes whenever they want. Um, as a result, Space and Guild gains map presence. Uh, through the the Harkonnens and slows down the pace of gameplay relative uh, to each turn. And Harkonnen gets a powerful backer and spice. Additionally, this strategy allows Space and Guild to keep reserves to occasionally bring down the hammer if there is an opening. Um, I feel like as the game goes down, though, this this element of it might slow down a little bit. Um, It feels like, like as the game goes on, uh, the idea of like making those quick strikes and just closing it down kind of gets weird um, as like people actually like fight and lose battles and end up with a bunch of guys in the Talaxi tanks. Yeah. It becomes, I think, harder to uh, to make this work. But if you played smart, I think you could probably do this at any point. Um, and then our last point is Harkonnen gets spice and depending on how reliable the guild ally is, a cushy uh, wind condition basically what i feel all this is basically leading to is the spacing guild unlocks the true potential of harkonnen harkonnen has a couple crutches and spacing guild really feels like it undoes all of those crutches um you have all this treachery you have all this mystery going on about you but like you you are only getting to like really the northern hemisphere like getting to the south is like a bit of a different you you can get there obviously but like with space and guild you get to really just jump all over and you get to make incredibly terrifying attacks on people whereas normally people can at least predict where you're going to end up but with the space and guild that just all becomes even more unpredictable and not in a win more kind of way but in a like truly like oh man what we have no idea what to expect from harkonnen and we can't plan against them yeah style of thing uh so i i do think it's it the the power there is so far and above like almost any other alliance that I can even think of, like between any factions. Like th- this one just seems like such a scary combo. But what I wonder is, does it feel and look the same from Spacing Guild's perspective? Or do you have to really do some convincing to get Spacing th- Guild on your side? I think the only, I think the reason Spacing Guild would go with this is, is just positional. Yeah. It's not it's it it's not else. to get access to your traders. Right. It is literally just like so it's almost like I don't know if I'm playing as Harkonnen, I want to try and court the Spacing Guild yeah. and make an argument of like, hey, I've got, not only do I have Carthag on lockdown, maybe I have another stronghold. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe I've busted into Arakeen, which would kind of be best case scenario. That's probably right. not going to happen in most games, but maybe I've taken one of the other one of the the sieges. Um, and and maybe I'm sitting there and it it feels really locked down. So it's kind of like you know, Space and Guild generally is going to have uh, one of the sieges. They start with it, and yeah. and we'll probably maintain control over it um, unless you know Emperor decided to bust them up or right. something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, so like I I think you have to make the argument based on position. You have to make an argument that hey, if we do this, we can probably seal the deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Which is I mean, sort I of think... the whole point of your early game then is to mm-hmm. get into those positions. You're trying to get the spice to keep yourself mobile and 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 get yourself into the right positions, so that then you can hold a really strong positional uh, spot, so that you can get that strong alliance. Or you don't even need the alliance; go win on your own. 
But like right. you really are focused on those positional things. Obviously, the whole game is focused on focused on position. I'm not I'm not just trying to say this is a Harkonnen thing, but it definitely feels especially a Harkonnen thing because it's kind of the only thing you ever have to offer other people, and it's sort of your biggest tool, uh, right? To, to 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 have access to in general. So you're you're just always looking for those positional opportunities. Uh, I think Harkonnen is an incredibly opportunistic faction, uh, which right. I think we're about to get into. Right. With, uh, with you, you have here the victory sprint. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, this is a round one strategy. Um, of all the factions, Harkonnen is kind of the number one that I feel like could just win on round one. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Um, I mean, I it's kind of possible for most factions to actually do this, but I think Harkonnen, because they get their hands set up faster than everybody else, um, and they have a, a bunch of traders, uh, the the like roulette situation of like, all right, I gambled and I was able to make it happen. Uh, it seems possible. You, yeah. you start with ornithopters. All you got to do is fight at Arakeen win, which is, that's a big that's ask. A cut. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit. Um, and then take a siege. So the, so what I'm going to say is that the only way we, you would ever go for this is if you were late in turn order, maybe even last in turn order yeah. on round one. So you are getting to maybe take advantage of people, not, um, watching out for you enough um so yeah uh essentially the way it would work is you get a solid hand where you're like i've got a defense card i've got an action uh uh, an attack card and those are both hidden cards or at least one of them is so you know that atreides doesn't know about it um you make a play by using ornithopters to to go for arakeen and then you drop um onto another stronghold right and then that's how you could win round one i mean you've got you've got carthag and if you're late in the play order the idea that someone's going to attack Carthag round one is probably kind of low. Right. Um, yeah. It, it really comes down to, did you luck into probably two purchases in mm-hmm. the, in the bidding phase, which gets you six total cards. And if those cards were lucky, good cards, then that's when you start looking for it. Right. If you, if you get those cheap cards and they're good cards and you finish the bidding phase, you can look then at the, you know, the shipment and movement phase and be like, do I have it in me? Let's let's kind of really take a look. Is the turn order right? And then if the turn order is right, if you've got the cards, then you know you, you, you make the push for it. Obviously, the spacing guild could always go after you. They're the only ones of that course. can really thwart they're this the, They're the big factor here. But uh, uh, well, but, I mean, the, the, what I'm saying though is you're you're only going for this if for some reason spacing guild went like they you are last different. basically. Right. You right. can't you can't afford. There's no way you're gonna make this happen if somebody's gonna get to move after you. Yeah. Um, especially spacing guild, they're gonna shut you down right away. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just worth saying, I feel right. like it's not well, necessarily, I think the bigger idea here is, yeah, you could do that round one. You could also do it round two or round three. You're kind of just always on the lookout for this sort of sprint in, in mm-hmm. my view, especially early before anybody else has gotten their hands up. If you are able to like get kind of a lockdown on the bidding phases early on, uh, you, you seriously could do this, this same victory sprint, even in round three. Um, sure. I think Harkonnen maybe has one of the best chances to win the game by themselves over sure. almost any other faction. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but the difference here is that other people are going to have uh, a solid set of treachery cards then at round right. three. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Round what's three, people interesting are about to build up a decent, uh, a de- decent hand. Exactly. What, th- what's interesting about the round one play is that if you get lucky and draw the right cards, you could you, the idea Nobody that has you. Exactly. That they just don't have cards. They just they want to beat you, but it doesn't matter because they just don't have the cards right, to do it. Right. Um, another uh, round one strategy that this is you're going to do this way more, uh, and this is from Crisis Hamburger. 
um, is negotiating your way into sp- the spice blow early. Right. Um, this is something we've already talked about. I kind of already incorporated this earlier. Um, but yeah, like threaten the other factions or like work with them uh, to yeah. like not either not fight them or pick a smart fight. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to kind of punish Atreides here yep. for this spice blow and kill two of their leaders. Something like that. Right, right. Um, and this all has a work around early card strength. If you... If you got bad draws uh, for treachery cards at the beginning, then you can kiss this goodbye. In fact, if that happens, I don't even know what you do. We should right. probably talk about Harkonnen with bad, right now, Harkonnen with bad uh, early draws is just like, well, I hope you get better draws next time, and you cycle uh-huh. out some cards. You need well, to start and burning pro- cards. And remember, you can always bluff right. as Harkonnen because sure. there are, you have some cards that nobody knows about. So if you get a bad hand, you're probably going to have to bluff. Right. And that oh, you got to look scary. stronger than you are. Uh, so weaknesses for Harkonnen, uh, money situation, not fun, bad, bad money situation, <laughs> not emperor or guild or, Starting you know, with 10, it feels great, but then that it is immediately over after round one. Yeah, do not spend too much money in that first bidding phase. Yeah. Get a card advantage, but don't spend all of your money because you're going to need to, you're probably going to, you're going to at least need it, the opening to ship dudes yep. on round one. Right. Because who knows, maybe... Maybe you're going to get an opportunity to win round one, so you definitely need to save some money to ship some dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, late game, the hand of cards is not as impressive. I mean, like, eventually everyone's going to have an attack right. and defense thing. And it's not, unless you're, like, allied with BG, you don't really have a way around that. Right. You know what and I mean? late game, too, like, the leaders start to kind of fall into, like, a predictability. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Benny Jesuit and Atreides start to really control fights because they just start accruing enough information. Yeah, you 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 are only using that advantage early when people don't have enough information to go off of. But right. by mid and late game, everybody knows stuff, and they get to like make way more you know correct predictions. Right. Um, no, we've talked about this a lot already, but nobody really wants to be your friend. You're just no like if you don't have uh, the positional strength. Then, like, if you're having a bad game as Harkonnen, you're having a bad, bad game. Right. It's not, there's, <laughs> yeah, like, that's, it's there's very no hard out. to climb back as them. Um, yeah, no, nobody's really going to want to be your ally if you're having a bad game, too, because you don't have, there's no passive ability that you really offer anybody. Right. It's like, yeah, I got these traitors. And it's like, well, right. what if a they're already dead? You can have a know? bad game and still have something to offer. Harkonnen yep. has a bad game, you got nothing. There's no reason right. that you get to sit at the table. Yep, Benny Gesserit can offer the voice, even yep. if they have no position on the board at all. Right. Emperor's going to have money. Space and Guild's going to have money. You've got four traders. You just don't make other factions better. You just yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, with, without the position, without playing well and getting you know the stuff that you need, you, you don't offer anything up to them. I will say, this is kind of a weird thing that I just came up with. I think if I was having a really bad Harkonnen game, what I would do, and oh my God, this would... This would be this would be sick, like just a really <laughs> nasty thing to do. Um, but what I would do is I would be like, "Hey, uh, whoever, Space and Guild Emperor, I, whoever I wanted to do this trick on, I would be like, um, you should ally with me because I've got some traders that you're going to be really interested in that I think are going to come up, like really interested in. Mm-hmm. And then they ally with you, and you're just like, just kidding." I've got you. <laughs> yeah, I've got you. Now you're my friend. Like <laughs> we're friends now. And then you know, and they're like, "Wait, can I at least see the traders?" Like, no, you can't. Absolutely see my not. I'm they're not very. Not good. gonna show them. I don't want to show my traders ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're such a pithy little right. advantage. Like, I was well, allied. The chances of you even having useful ones are not that great. I mean, it's like you just got what you got. Maybe you have one good trader in your hand, and then you have three ones. Like, whoop de doodle. Yeah, 
Yeah. No one, it's, it continues to just not be anything anybody cares about. Um, so, like, what what are what are the true ways we're looking for wins as Harkonnen, especially early on when we're just learning this game and our meta with our group is sort of developing? What do Harkonnen wins tend to look like? It's a very, like, watch the board and look for the sneaky opportunity. Right. Um, it's a lot of, like, hope they mess up so that you can like sneak in there and win you're just the you're just the guy that like the idea of you having a weird swing round where you won like a bunch of combats right. is not that crazy of a scenario right. but it gets less crazy the further we get into the game right. a lot of your abilities are like flashier early game really just the card hand thing it's just the fact that your treachery hand basically gets set up before anybody else's that's really scary but Eventually, everybody's going to have four cards in their hand, and they're going to be solid. Deal with it. Yeah. 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 So, so, so strike early if you if you can find the opportunity. It's not a strike early no matter what. It's a strike right. early if the opportunities present themselves. You are always on the lookout for that kind of big round. Yeah. Pick smart fights, basically, yeah. um, and, and, and work the meta. Like, people don't want to fight you. Well, and discourage them from fighting you. Right. Um, and... You want to, if you make it into the mid game, you didn't, you didn't win early. Then what we want to do is just like lock down our positions. We want to lock down Carthag. Yep. We want to lock down another stronghold and we want to court an alliance with somebody powerful yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to, you want to play, I don't know. You're like a, you're kind of like a hedgehog or like a, you're, you, you, you're spiky, you're scary. Um, but you can't like, you can't expose your soft belly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, like if you. <laughs> Right. If your soft belly gets exposed, you could just get gutted. Yeah, basically, there's just nothing left after that. Yeah. Well, I dig it. Uh, I I can't say Harkonnen is a faction I ever look forward to playing as. The, yeah, nothing I probably won't them play them again for to me. A while. But uh, I I certainly um, I think there's a certain kind of player that feels really bold and tricky when they play uh, mm-hmm. as Harkonnen and they and They're they get fun. away with stuff. Right. It's fun. It's fun to be like, oh man, I'm really, I really hurt people when I fight. But then yeah. if you lose a fight as Harkonnen, it is it's a big a bummer. Disaster. Yeah. Yeah. They're well, like a, you know what? I was coming up with this comparison for them. They're like a muscle car with really bad gas mileage. Oh yeah. Like yeah. really bad gas mileage. <laughs> so it's like, oh man, it like revs its engine and it's like really like, whoa, that this is a sexy terrifying. car. Yeah. It's terrifying. But it's like, uh oh, we ran out of gas. It's and then like, yeah, on the highway. <laughs> yeah. And then like the emperor and the spacing guild are like Priuses. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not cute, but like, it's going to go the distance, it's make you know, it, right. it's got real good gas mileage. Well, uh, we definitely want to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you thought we got anything wildly off base or if you thought crisis hamburger or ginger got anything wildly off oh, base yeah, or call whatever, them uh, you know, be a part of it. We'll, we will give you, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll get your day in the sun. We'll do some errata on this thing, but, uh, that, that's kind of our, th- our current thoughts on Harkonnen. Um, but Hunter boy, howdy, do we have a lot more to do? Uh, Ooh, I just so, want to say at this point, though, yeah. just for I like working our Patreon stuff into the episodes sure. uh, next week's guy and I'll post post this in the Patreon or um, channel on our discord. Yeah. Uh, next week's guide is we're going back to Twilight Imperium and we're going to do a Hakan guide. Oh my gosh. Are yep. we really? Don't worry about week? it. We got it. We got it. Dude. Oh, we, got it. Um, we have to so, play this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So Patreoners, please give me your Hakan thoughts yep. in uh, that channel and I will I will post. Uh, and if you want to join our Patreon because you want to throw in your two cents yeah. uh, for Hakan, all it costs is a dollar. So just come on in, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll that transition music.
All right, welcome to our special seasonal segment of tournament updates. Tournament updates. Yeah, we're not yeah. making it entire episodes anymore, except for, it. boy, is it going to feel like it today. Hunter, We I think we have to promise each other right now that we're going to burn through these pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, so we, we have, have a nine bunch games of, to oh my God. Okay, so we're going to talk about nine games of Twilight Imperium <laughs> really quickly. Um, we I went too say, fast. Yeah. I want to say a quick thank you to everyone that played in all of these oh games and also an extra thank you to everyone on Discord that private messaged me their hot takes yeah. because I, I didn't necessarily use a lot of quotes. Nope. Like I didn't take your wording exactly, but they helped paint the story of these games. That being said, we have to talk about a lot of games. So some We're of them gonna are going to get... story. Yeah. Yep. Well, and they're going to get crystallized into just the thing that we think is important. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing, too, is Hunter and I sat in and as many of these games as we could. You know, we're, we're, we're here lending a support role to our moderators. Uh, later on, we intend to both be moderating ourselves or we, we've been picking up after our moderators. If our, if our moderators have to step away, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we jump in. But a lot of these games have been mostly due to our moderators. And so we're, we're giving recaps of either games we partially watched or we're getting the recaps of later. So here we go, Hunter. Game four. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, I love this game. So the winner of this game was uh, Jaybird. Yep. Um, it, they were playing as Sardak. By Whoa. the way, Sardak is having a moment. Um, <laughs> they were playing as Sardak in Lil Brudder. Um, first uh, first little segment I hear I have here is uh, from Cybot. Thank you, Cybot. Um, it was a really tight game. There were a couple of dramas, including a player accidentally shuffling the entire Meta-dramas. agenda deck. Meta dramas. <laughs> Um, and Yellow accidentally included their infantry in a space battle when they pushed for Mechatol. So basically, the, the way this one kind of played out is there were a couple, like, weird, goofy mistakes, and then Jaybird was kind of just like, I have, I'm, he's, he is that type of player that I think has an agenda. He went uh-huh. into the draft being like, nope, I'm going to pick Sardak out of order. And I'm going to You know what I mean? It. Like, I'm going to pick Sardak for Lil Brudder. That's yeah. ridiculous. But he had a plan going into it. Um, this is from Jaybird directly. In my game, I took Warfare round one. This allowed me to end the round with Lodor, Thibba, and Mehar Zul. Uh, so that is a, bl- a blue skip and a red skip. Uh, the Barony player to my left wanted peace, so we did an early ceasefire swap. In round three, I made a deal with the blue player so I could peace. Blue is in speakeasy. Yep. Um, so I could peace of peacefully take tech as no one took tech in round three which slowed me down which is crazy i don't know why that happened um round four i took tech i was able to use my two blue skips to take carrier two and xo2 um to score two two unit upgrades round four i also negotiated with the green player to peacefully take mirror so round five and this is the crazy thing i double red skipped into valkyrie particle weed wow wild um and if you want his tech path real quick it was round one sarween Round two, blue skip into grab drive. Round three, no tech. Round four, blue skip into carrier two and blue skip into exo two. Round five, double red skip into Valkyrie particle weave. And then round six, PDS two just for the three unit upgrade. Ridiculous. Um, That's the most wild tech tree I've ever seen for a Sardak. He made red and blue work. He got two faction techs as Sardak Nor. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Very, even very cool. It. Even if Jaybird hadn't won that game, Jaybird won that game in the hearts of the people. Yeah, you know. But the uh, fact and- that it also turned into an actual victory is like amazing. Yeah, uh, and I would say keep an eye on Jaybird. Yeah. Um, like I would just say in t- in talking to him, private messaging him, uh, he seemed to have a lot of really interesting ideas about Twilight Imperium, and uh, I am very excited to, to see, see him in the goes. semifinals. That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah. Tell me uh, about game five, man. <laughs> game five, uh, <laughs> the winner was my nemesis, Brian. <laughs> Brian! <laughs> Brian and Magi are like my two <laughs> nonstop arguers. Right. Uh, but Brian won a soul and speakeasy. Imagine that. Wow. Uh-huh. What a thing to happen. Uh-huh. Soul and speakeasy won. Um, basic, I don't want to. No, Brian played a good game, but I think even Brian was willing to admit that uh, it was just really, really great public objectives for Soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. On top of strong, smart play, Brian is not a foolish player. He Brian's knows how to capitalize player. on good public objectives for Soul. But you do also have to chalk some of it up to what do you do about Soul when they're getting everything they want? And I don't know exactly how much like the rest of the table decided whether or not they needed to deal with Soul. It kind of sounds like Brian ran away with it, which tends to say nobody did anything about Soul until it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess is this was a fairly stereotypical soul game. Yeah, this was, yeah, this was the game. The take I was getting from a lot of the other players even was like soul was not challenged enough. So they kind of ran out away with the game. I think Brian said at one point he had like four or five points and was on Mechatol and everybody else had one point. Wow. So that's yeah. whew, that kind of soul game. <laughs> yeah, that kind of game. And you know what? I think it's good that we had a game like that because yep. it's just kind of a PSA of like, well, don't and, let people run away with right. it. And in know? this in this tournament so far, we haven't seen that much. This is really one of the rare cases of a runaway game that we've really mm-hmm. seen. Uh, but Hunter, mm-hmm. tell me about game six. All right, game six. The winner was uh, Jackalobo. Uh, play. Uh, let me know if I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> but uh, playing <laughs> Your as Yin. Is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah, Yin in uh, the Gash Father. Um, and this one sounds kind of straightforward. I gotta be honest. There's not, I didn't get any like really hot takes about it. Jockalobo yeah. even described it as a boring, nice, calm game, <laughs> you know, just like pretty chill. Um, apparently it was a lot of spending objectives. Um, and it was like a control objectives came out, but people like peacefully Don't kind of it. annexed them. It actually sounds like this was a, v- one of our friendliest games of just like really nice, calm, right. sweet people that kind of maybe even over negotiated i don't know um but uh it sounds fine yeah sounds good like yeah. we could we could use more games like that we've had some pretty contentious we've ones that we're gonna get to games Boy, yeah howdy. so we've had some straight uh, up mean games game number seven uh we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and spoil it sneaky raul won as our this was our first nalu pick in the tournament oh yeah uh and first they were made it through, easy, you should say which makes sense uh, no, I don't know how else Nalu gets anywhere else in the draft, except for we have a later game where Nalu gets elsewhere in the draft. Um, but Nalu is in Speakeasy. Uh, I want to give a couple notes that uh, this is the game where we saw Gen Con Alex, the winner of Gen Con 2019, was <gasps> dethroned. Uh, they were in this game and they didn't make it out. Also, uh, RJ King is a really popular player on the TTS Discord and very good. We've played with him in person mm-hmm. at Gen Con mm-hmm. and he was also dethroned. So this was kind of a big scary game with some upset game. heavy hitters and, and some big upsets but hunter can you give me a little bit more of a detailed uh breakdown of this one well sneaky Ra- raul is very humble and mm. uh kind of made it sound like they felt really lucky um that they got the win um they're like i have a speaker i'm in speakeasy i have right. nalu i have the zero feels um, like brian's situation of just like strong faction in the slice that you know can do something with that yeah and and sneaky <laughs> it's weird to call him sneaky um uh sneaky <laughs> is just emphasizing that like speakeasy is like a really solid um like slice for nalu yeah which i think just kind of speaks to like do not let nalu through the draft yeah, right. what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> do not mess. let nalu through the through the draft yeah do not 
Um, and then obviously, if Nalu makes it through the draft, like get, get whoever's sitting in speakeasy should take them. Uh, having a blue skip and a green skip gives you a lot of options for like what order you want to take tech. It also makes Neuroglave really viable, mm-hmm. which I think is a big no-no. Like you should not let that be possible right. in the game. Because I mean, yeah, we're talking about a game now where. There were a lot of knowns. Like, there were a lot of people that... I mean, there was... Jim was in this game, uh, who actually... I just want to throw out Jim's note. Um, Jim had a lot of takes on the game, but uh, Jim and a lot of other people have said this, too. Uh, Our map is really fun to play as ghosts on. (laughs) It's just weird that ghosts aren't doing better. Someone else said that today of just, like, they like the wormhole placement on... Yeah. They were saying it about my maps, like, uh, of our tournament maps in general. But, I mean, obviously, if you intentionally spread out the wormholes in, like, a balanced way... Ghosts automatically has a better time uh, because right. the wormholes are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, this was also a game where we've seen a lot of games where people are trading supports really, really fast. That's yeah. becoming really common in the tournament is early swaps. Yep. This one, they did not do that. Um, and actually, uh, Gen Con Alex uh, support swapped with Nalu to kind of like the rest of the table was a little bit annoyed at him. And RJ King mentioned that there is a pretty funny exchange where Gen Con Alex um, is trying to say, oh, I will attack Nalu um, if RJ King or um, whoever was playing as Barony uh, would be willing to give him their support for the throne. Kind of a like, I'm going to lose mine yep. that I have because I have so to I attack Nalu. Yeah. And um, RJ King, I don't know why he wanted me to say this, but they just both refused to do yeah. that. They were like, hey, it's your <laughs> fault that you swapped with them. We're not going to, we are expecting you to do something for the good of the table, but we're going to give you nothing, yeah. which is, uh, God, that's so <laughs> savage. That's Honestly, ridiculous. that kind of feels like an RJ King kind of thing. He's a, he's a big Muat player, and that feels yeah. like the attitude a Muat would have is like, no, you get nothing. You get nothing. I you move have to do in. it. You have to get, you, <laughs> you have to just make this game go on longer for no, with no, for nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I think that's all I got for game uh, seven. Let me tell you about game eight. Game eight, uh, we had a win from Ginger, who we actually just cited in this episode of Dune. So a good Dune player, and turns out, pretty good Twilight Imperium player, too. Yep. Uh, Ginger was Barony in Gashfather, which is kind of a uh, match-made-in-heaven sort of thing, right? Barony, high-resource home system, uh, wouldn't hate to have a red skip in Mir, but then Gashfather is a high influence, so the whole thing, the whole ecosystem, just balances itself out. I, I think mm-hmm. Barony and Gashfather is just as deadly a combination as any of the other most dead. You know, Necro in Warbucks, Nalu and Speakeasy. All of these things are like that. Just feels really synergistic. Um, the G- Ginger describes their game as uh, they. They were, you know, Ginger's talking about Schroeder and Ginger's talking about Schroeder, where we mainly kept to each other because war is bad, which I mean, I I think that's a little bit how Gashfather is also designed. You know, your your path is slightly blocked to Mechatol, not not if you're Barony, of course, but in general, you kind of I think in general, Gashfather has to play a little turtled and then eventually get into the rest of the game. But that usually means they have to be very, very diplomatic with the best one. I don't see too many Gash Fathers just jump on the best one early. They they usually form some sort of um, discussion with them. Schroeder was a Hakan in Speakeasy? I think that's right. I might be. Uh, no, right. Schroeder was extra in. Oh, um, extra. Thank War- you, Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, yeah, Daddy Warbucks. So still neighbors. Um, but then uh, they were the two of them, Ginger and Schroeder, sort of sort of controlled this game a little bit. They were leading the pack until Hakan jumped ahead, uh, and they also had Shard of the Throne and Quantum Data Hub node, which is like that's a scary combo, especially when uh, Hakan jumps in the lead. So um, 
you know, Ginger kind of let Schroeder play the like persuasion card, like, hey, you go be talky man. Uh, and he slow played just to sort of stay out of the limelight and basically got to exploit that position um, to, uh, you know, find a victory through all that, you know, through the mess of late game shenanigans. He let Schroeder be the person deal, you know, doing all the work dealing with Hakan while he kind of get got to coast into a victory on, on the other uh, side. Uh, this, yeah. this is also a game where Schroeder was one of the famous people who's been saying they don't think there's going to be any finalists that make it into the semis, and it at least proved true for himself. So we're really sad right. to see Schroeder go. We've seen Schroeder in two finals, and we won't see him uh, this year. So so you, you played great, Schroeder, but we'll see, you, we'll see you next year, or we'll see you at next yep. Gen Con. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. We have not seen the last of uh, no. of Schroeder. His style is too. Uh, it's too fun. Too wild. Um, yeah. I want to talk about a moment in this game uh, that literally every other player was like, "This was the wildest the thing." thing. <laughs> um, the humble checkmate was uh, actually playing. I believe playing as a con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, this. I'll just read the the quote. So, me, Schroeder, and Ginger were tied at five. No one had support swapped yet. So when it came for my time to vote, they're voting on um, Shard of the Throne. I support swapped with L1, which led to Schroeder and Ginger to swap, (laughs) putting us all at six. And then I asked the Sardak player if he would give me his support for the throne for nine trade goods. And he just said, yeah, before the other two of them could like interject, basically. So Hakan got three points off of this single Shard of the Throne vote. Two support for the thrones and a Shard of the Throne to put them in. It was like, in fact, this game was going incredibly slow, as you would expect Mm -hmm. from a TTS Schroeder game. (laughs) Right. Because he's talking (laughs) so much. It was going so slow. And I remember even us moderators, we we have like a moderator chat where we're talking through the games, and we were just talking about like, I don't think this game is ever going to end. And then Hakan jumped up three points off of a single agenda, and we were like, oh! We got a game. <laughs> look, look out, everybody. This this one could kind of come to a screeching halt. Uh, that I, really kickstarted everything else happening in this game. I also believe you can watch this one on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so if the, you check out the Discord. Also, to throw this out here, people have been asking, like, are we recording? Are we streaming? Whatever. Hunter and I are not streaming. We're not l- allowing any streaming of these games uh, mm-hmm. so that people can't do any funny business. Uh, and we ourselves aren't recording them uh, because it's actually just a lot of effort to make sure everything is done correctly and then it gets transferred to us and put onto our youtube but we're totally letting anybody else record some of our moderators are recording some players are recording and they're throwing up up on their own personal youtube so it's almost kind of like a fun little quest you get to go on Uh, i'm sure once we get them all collected we'll put a playlist together of youtube videos of these games it's just not ones weird recording ourselves but schroeder definitely recorded this game yeah Uh, and yeah you can go find that it's very long it's 12 it's, it's like 12 a and a half game. hours it, not the longest game we had though uh we'll get to that uh so um, anyways tell me about game nine hunter um so game nine uh i watched oh yeah i did get to see some of this uh so game nine the winner was unfair hat playing as barony in warbucks this Which, was our first warbucks victory first warbucks victory and not a faction i would expect to do well in warbucks that's yeah. all money in the all money slice. That I'm I'm like actually super blown away that Unfair Hat was able to pull it off in Warbucks because mm-hmm. that this seems so counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Um so and also this game is noteworthy because Unfair Hat knocked out um a semifinalist from last year, uh Mi- I always mess it up. Malazuski. Michael Lazuski. Yeah. Um who is uh, honestly, one of uh, one of my favorite players from last year. Uh I always like really liked his style and I think yeah. he I think he just barely didn't make it into yeah. the finals, too. I'm pretty sure his semifinal game was, like, very, very super close. close. Um, and, yeah, he's a great player, uh, fun to watch. 
Uh, it sounds like this game overall was, uh, I actually got like almost too much information on this game. So it was like kind of hard for me to find like the nugget. Right. But it was a pretty fighty game, um, especially between Unfair Hat and Barony and uh, Mizluski, who I think was playing as L1. Um, right. And uh, basically it was super fighty. And in the end, um, Holy Planet was kind of a uh, linchpin to the game. And I believe it was an action phase win based off of a secret objective. But like, um, essentially it was very, very close. Yeah. Um, there was a soul player that like was, was in striking distance, but with no path. And then I think Ms. Lusky was like coming up behind. It would have been the kind of, th- the kind of game where essentially it was just like, surprise it's over and unfair hat well. And yeah. That's yeah. kind of the, kind of the deal. Um, okay. Let's start right. about game. 10. <laughs> We're doing a lot of these. <laughs> game 10 was Snorcerer. As the L1Z1X, I think this is the first L1 win of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and they did it in the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big noteworthy thing of this game is this game was friggin' stacked with players. Uh, Fargo Jr., otherwise known as Xeno Feline, who was a finalist from Gen Con, was in this mm-hmm. game. R-Wise, who's one of our Space Kitties, but is also a huge name, not only in the TI4 community, but in the TI3 Shattered Ascension uh, community. So just like a huge TI player. Uh, Scott War, who's very well known on the TTS Discord, and Robber, who's also very well known on the five players were very well known, very good players. Snorcerer himself is an incredibly good player that we played with multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're practically at a semifinals quality game. Anyways, uh, the one pseudo no name uh, was somebody named Aesir, and they came in hot and ready, uh, and they were Muat, and basically just went straight for Scott War's home system and unfortunately kind of knocked both of them out of contention in a pretty uh, space risky kind of way. You know, just, I mean, they, they, you know, who knows what that, what benefit they probably saw on the other side of trying to take the home system. They were kind of just making that gamble, but it did not pay off for either of them and ended up kind of throwing both of them into the toilet. Yeah. Um, so this game was kind of interesting. I was uh, checking in and out on it or of it. Uh, while we were going, uh, Rwise had Nalu and was in Turtles Paradise, which did, that yeah, seemed, who knows I don't know how happened. it made that far. Um, but so Rwise basically had like late game level, like table versus him kind of um, meta going on right. uh, basically the whole game or like for a while. And I remember, um, I think they ended, they still had like several hours left of the game, but there was like a path that uh, me and uh, I think, I think, think celia uh moderated this one and we uh we both saw that there was a path for nalu and it was like oh i don't know how they're gonna stop him um and he did this play that i've seen uh happen a couple times that i think is like actually pretty smart um because it was looking like yeah rwise has a path but like they're really focused on stopping him uh and so he actually like had a secret conversation with snorcerer and made some deals with him i don't really know what um like how the deals worked out. I actually think they revealed each other's secrets to each other. And then like, basically he let Snorcerer like get within striking distance of winning as well. Right. He like helped him get there. To pull the heat um, off of himself. Exactly. To basically say like, Hey, so you guys are all worried about me, but I can get somebody else to where you're going to need to worry about them. Now, now you got to pick between the two of us. I think it's smart because Nalu has the zero, which is just always, always going to help. You know what I mean? Like basically the only way to beat Nalu is to win in the action phase. 
and that's what happened. So yeah, like our right. <laughs> accidentally like lifted up someone else Too and high. then that person went all the way. Well, basically. it's it's the same thing that Janor kind of did. Uh, it's yeah. something we kind of keep seeing is these like these these known players are getting into games and trying to get a little tricky and get the heat off themselves because they're playing well and doing well, but they don't want to just get crushed by everyone else. So then they boost someone else up and they end up boosting them too far. Right. Uh, so definitely a scary tactic to try to take a hold of. Uh, let me tell you, Hunter, about game 11, because I got yeah. to sit in in quite a lot of this game, except for the fact that this game was 13 hours long. I think longer. I think it was like 13 hours and 15 minutes or something horrible. Um, but the winner was Jasper as the Yin Brotherhood in Gashfather. This game is super noteworthy. Uh, Imsen uh, from last year, uh, the famous cheesy bread Imsen from our mm-hmm. Barony Guide, <laughs> and Naderade from the Gen Con finals were both in this game. Naderade was Hakan, and Imsen was, I believe, Ghosts uh, in the best one. Um, so Imsen in this game actually came out to a really, really uh, strong lead early on, and that's kind of what helped lead to the game being so long is uh, they... They had to do something about Imsen, uh, and Naderade led a very, very strong coalition of the other players against Imsen for a long time. Um, Imsen basically had to thwart other people's plans for like four and a half hours. There was one round where they definitely had a shot at winning uh, and were able to get stopped. I think Imsen himself said it was like something like a 60% chance they gave themselves to win that round. They, they decided not to do anything tricky. And instead, just like, maybe I'll get it. Maybe they'll fail. Who knows? Let me just see what happens. Uh, no, no one else was in a close enough contention to win at that point. I think Imsen saw some threats, but there actually wasn't anybody close enough to winning. So it was just kind of like a, okay, they don't win this round. And then another round happened. And then another round happened. And it just was like this game that kept crawling on. Uh, so so a very sloggy game and a, and a successful stop from Naderade, but what ended up happening to Naderade is in his coalition forming, it kind of didn't set himself up for any sort of win. So he was sort of thrown out of contention. And then there was a final round, just like absolute bloodbath of multiple players having a really clear shot at victory and then forming little partnerships with each other to stop everyone else. So like multiple players got got tossed out of contention but it was just one of those like hot potato things of like okay well we dealt with them now this is the person we have to deal with and we dealt with them and now this is the one we have to deal with uh and in the end imsen still had a shot and jasper had a shot and this is where we get into the stuff that people debate about uh-huh. um, because mentak had an option to basically stop one of the two of them right it's uh, plan your attack do something, of course, all the debates break out of, like, should you do it at all? Do you have a thing? You know, what do you do in this sort of forced king-making situation? Mentak decided to plan their attack uh, against Jasper, uh, but Naderade was the minister of peace and was kind of just uncomfortable with the whole thing in general and decided to call off the attack, sort of pushing the king-making in the other direction. Uh, and, and you get into this thing of just like who king made who? Did anybody king make? What do we actually decide to classify as king making? But by di- by calling off the attack, it gave no one else an opportunity to stop Jasper, which let Jasper kind of coast into a victory uh, in the status phase. Uh, Jasper wants to make sure people know they still had, even if they had uh, had this one attack fail against them, they had an opportunity to still get some points and maybe end up with a victory anyways. But uh, after a 13-hour game, I think everyone welcomed an early end, <laughs> early in quotes, uh, end to this <laughs> yeah. game. Sarcastic um, early. <laughs> and then the last game of the week uh, that we have to talk about is game 12. Hunter, would you like to announce the winner of game 12? <laughs> oh, Matt. Uh, so the winner 
uh, throwing off uh, Schroeder's prediction that none of the finalists would make it in from last year would make it into the semifinals. Uh, Magi won. Magi. Magi. Yeah, I know. I'm, I've got all my Magi gear on. Uh, I've got my foam finger. Magi number one. Uh, he's got this. This is his year. I feel it. Um, he was yeah, playing Magi, who notably has been in like three finals and never won. So, sure. Bam. Burn. Got him. Yep. Fourth time's the charm. Um, <laughs> or third time? Uh, yeah, that was third time. Whatever. Um, he played as a con uh, in Speak Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me tell I you actually, about You one. know yeah, more was, about this I, game I was here than for I a lot of this one. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, Magi ended up winning in half normal fashion, but the really big noteworthy stuff for Magi's game is how he decided to control trade in this game. He he went in with a very clear plan of what he wanted to do as Hakan in Speakeasy. Uh, t- talking to him, he actually wasn't really going to play Hakan unless he was in Speakeasy. He sort of had a he had a list of factions he would play as and what he thought, you know, he, he had a plan for everything because Magi's the calculator. He, he does all this. Um, but he, he round one picked trade offered everyone money for their trade agreements. Everyone assumed he would then pop their trade agreements for a lots of money for Hakan, and he didn't pop a single one of them. And he held on to all of the trade agreements, which meant nobody in round two picked trade. Now, Magi had this plan of sort of an idea where if I lock down all the trade agreements, one person will take trade so that they can unlock their own trade agreement, and maybe they'll offer me money for it or something like that. You know, I'll, I'll give them money to take trade or whatever. There, there are different ways to sort of exploit the the desperation to get money um but instead of that everyone was just like well i guess no one's going to make any money this uh game and that included magi and magi ended up spending a lot of the game with like almost no plastic on the board because speakeasy is not a very good slice and hakan doesn't have very much money unless they get trade goods which he wasn't getting he sold off all of his trade goods almost right away so round three he cashes in his uh trade gauntlet he had all five of the other players uh, trade agreements. He cashes them all in round three and then buys them all back up again. He gets a second trade infinity gauntlet uh, and he holds on to those again for most of the game. Um, oh. And that is sort of what led to his victory. Uh, there's some noteworthy stuff of Sardak uh, sprinted up the red tech tree, which was really fun to see. They got plasma scoring into Valkyrie particle weave into assault cannon. Uh, which is just, that's, <laughs> that's a really wild, wild Sardak. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they never really pushed with it uh they played diplomatically despite getting a you know a tech path that could have given them a lot of leverage uh and leverage on a very very weak magi they were sitting adjacent to uh magi and little brother and kind of had the whole game where at any moment they could have jumped on any of magi's planets and probably kept them all game and they they chose to you know the diplomatic approach whether or not that's magi talking them off or them just not going for it who knows but in the end uh pendle uh, who is a, another player we've played with a number of times, was Asarl, and actually had a really close shot to steal the win with two action phase secret objectives. But there was sort of a mistaken attempt at uh, making an example of their world using the bombardment. And when that failed, they kind of lost their shot. Magi had like a weak shot, but then the trade agreement thing all paid off when he managed to get Sardag, uh, Sardak to ref- replenish everybody else so that Magi could claim all the trade agreements. He, he paid Sardak off. Uh, and Sardak refreshed everyone. Everyone's refreshments went straight to Magi, and Magi won in the status phase with 10 trade goods. Uh, a little I think controversial. It was phase, but in general, he, he won. There are some players that take issue with this moment, and I, should, I feel like that is noteworthy, that uh, it, it was not agreed upon by the table that Sardak should do that, and many people fought against the decision because it was sort of an obvious this gives the victory to Magi 
sort of thing, but we haven't really heard from the Sardak player yet to know what was going through their head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, was Pendle a um, semifinalist last year? Like, why do um, I... I don't think so. I, we've just played with Pendle. Pendle's one of those players that has, like, gotten into Goodyear Brother Good Brotherhood games a lot, uh, and just I've seen them on the TTS a, a number of times. We've played with Pendle a few times, and I just really dig dig their style, and they, they almost pulled it out with a sorrel. Well, I think this is a really wild way for, for uh, Magi to have won this game. I know, especially because um, he has a really wild way to get into the finals at Gen Con. Magi has yeah. this like, weird ability to just <laughs> convince people to like let him win the game and yeah. move on to the next round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. I, I actually completely forgot about that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing that's interesting about Magi, though, in this situation is that, yeah, it's kind of kingmaky, but you and I both know that Magi is capable of winning right. game. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's not it's not like a situation where it's like somebody that doesn't belong there or yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. What even that means. Well, and the weird thing too though is the trade gamble that he did, I don't think worked, but but he did well outside of that to to find a victory, you know? It I is mean, an it's, interesting it's, it's idea. A strange little uh, dichotomy of like I had this crazy plan and then I win, but it's like maybe not because of the crazy plan that even had anything to do with it. Yeah, it's weird that the way, like, having all the, like, having the trade agreements, that's cool, but then you have to take trade yourself right, you gotta make it in the late game I don't know. to I don't do it. I don't see how it pays off. There's been kind of a big debate on the Discord, and I'm, I look forward to seeing that continue now that we've talked about it on the show, but I, I just, I don't see how it's that much more effective beyond if you really do just want to lock down trade. If, if you're Here's wanting what I to see. stall out trade, okay, but I don't know why you would want to do that as a con. I, I wonder... If this would be, and I, uh, we don't have Magi here to, re- to you know, re- respond to this. Uh, but I, I wonder if this would work though. If you were like, all right, so round three or round four, I decide to buy up all of the trade agreements. So yeah, we I haven't gotten a, to I agree stage with this, two. What you're saying right now. Yeah, so we haven't it, gotten to stage two. When when stage two comes up, I either like let's say it's not one of the spend ones. Yep. Um, then I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll just you know Hold I'll just get them. a bunch of money. Or, or hold on to them. Yeah. Um, but I think the idea... So what happens a lot of the time when the spendy stage two comes out is nobody wants to trade anymore because they're literally counting each other's trade goods and being yeah. like, well, I can't trade because it will give you the win or whatever. And I think what maybe this idea unlocks is the idea of like, well, yeah, you make you lock in all those trades yep. when people when it isn't for the win because they didn't know it was for the win and now it's too late because right. I already got them. Yeah, That's I cool. totally agree with this as like a round four play. Round one, it seemed a little bold. Not only that, but Magi had to do it as a non-binding deal for everyone. Um, and so then nobody trusted the rest of his deals for the rest of the game. Like every time he tried to do a non-binding deal, everyone kind of saw through it and was like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that because that's dumb because it's non-binding. And I know what you do, Magi. I, I know how greedy you get with these non-binding deals. So he really didn't get to get away with as much as he would have hoped he could have. As many things as he was offering, uh, he, he really didn't get away with that much. But basically, it just comes down to like, I don't see Magi as like a... If this were Schroeder doing the same plan, it would look completely different, right? Because Magi isn't the same kind of talker as Schroeder. That's not to say either is like way better executed, but it's a very different attitude coming from the two different players. So when Magi tries to do all this talking, he's doing it in such a way of like, you should do this deal because it would be good for you. Whereas Schroeder is like buttering you up and just getting you to the table and then working on you for an entire round until you're like, okay, yeah, sure, okay, Schroeder, why not? (laughs) Yeah, he's he's our used car salesman. Uh, we've we've said it so many times. Um, well, as the number one Magi fanboy, I just want to say this for the record because it it does.
does feel like, you know, you're 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 being pretty critical of my boy right now. Uh, I never I, will let him have a win. I'll never just give it to him. <laughs> he can't win and have me praise him. All right, but here we go. As as the difference between the two of us is, I'm a fanboy. You're not. Uh, but uh, what I like about this, as a fan of Magi for as long as I can remember, for years and years and years, um, <laughs> I, before I even knew him. Uh, is that this is uh, Magi has been playing a very specific game at the table for a long time. A game that I think he kind of got to a point where he like kind of wrote his thesis on it and graduated from whatever school, the school of the <laughs> right. University of Necro that he right. was going to. He wrote his thesis. He put it out there. Everyone can read it now. Yep. And he's just playing differently. He's yeah. doing different things. Well, that's the now. thing. This was this was a thing he said he's thought of this strategy for a long time, and this was he's been keeping it secret. He didn't want to tell anybody about it. He apparently tried it in a recent game just to see how it would go, uh, and then said he would never do it again, and then did it. And then he did <laughs> in it. The tournament. But, like, he was that's trying funny. to keep this sort of thing secret. Um, this is a horrible week for me. I have, like, a, I have a few nemesis. I talk too much on the Discord. I say that to mean I argue too much. I get in little pedantic you arguments with people. argue all the time. And Ginger... Brian and Magi are all three people I consistently have big arguments with, and all three of them won this week. So this was yep. Hunter's week, not Matt's. Yeah. Oh well. Let's. I mean, let's. Not, I, I'm. I'm a no, Magi they're, fan. No, they're boy, my but... heels, and it's all for fun. And of yeah. course, I, I congratulate all of them on their victories. But I'm not rooting for you. I, am, I root for I Nine am... of Spades because he's pure of heart. <laughs> Oh, you're such a weird person. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's that's so going to about do it for us. We got to do the rundown. Um, so please support us on Patreon. Um, if you are in the tournament, if you're please look out for your scheduling emails and respond to those. Uh, everybody's doing a pretty good job of that, but we still have people that like we need to get into the system. And I know yeah. people have like difficult schedules. I'm not throwing any shade. I'm just saying like, yeah, come on, get keep, back keep to us. Keep an eye out. Yep. Um, Galactic Counselors, there is a poll still up for you that you can vote on. Um, I, you know, I got a little, I got a little heat uh, for the way that the Galactic Council poll is, and I think the heat is totally justified, and that sure. the poll is this, uh, the poll this month is uh, we're gonna do a player profile episode, and you get to pick uh, which we've done player profiles on yeah. everyone that was in the Holiday Spectacular except for Alex, Sean, and Connor, and those are your three choices. Right, but. We That's a it. choice between three different type, like three episodes that are basically the same type of episode. Sure. And I'm not going to do that again. In in the future, they will be different types of episodes. Yeah, I honestly never... didn't really realize that until we were already like a week into it, and I don't really want to take the poll down and like put it back up. Sure. Like that that feels a little shady. Um, but yeah, I, I apologize to anybody that's a little bit like, this is a choice that I don't really care about. Yeah. Um, and I will make sure to give you because the first the first poll I did was more like there's this type of episode of and this yeah. type of episode um and I just want to promise that those will get better um Hunter Donaldson fan club uh that poll is out um you have like a day basically to vote if you haven't already voted um I want to let you know where the votes are at right now um so basically uh, on Friday night on uh, what day is that? The seventeenth yep. uh, I'm gonna get on our twitch and I'm gonna play a game starting at probably like 6 p.m. Uh, and here are those choices. Um, in fourth place, um, 
control surprising with like very no one. few votes. Well, surprising no one. I like to throw on that just like, and you know what? I already just started playing control anyway, so it <laughs> can't it win. win As, so whatever. Yeah, we'll I knew it would. Well, I, I waited a couple days, and then I was like, well, control's not going to win, so whatever. I'm just going to play it. I don't even care. It's yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. It's a great game. Very, 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 very scary. Um, in third place, also probably not going to win at this point, is EJ's Nuzlocke variant uh, for Twilight Imperium. I'll probably keep throwing that one on there until maybe we'll someday it'll win. We'll just do that eventually win. anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we'll also <laughs> just do it. Um, really, the race right now is between... We've got two. Um, we've got... In second place, we've got Dream Daddy, the dating simulator. <laughs> surprising me by a lot uh, that I guess people want me to play this. It's in second place. Uh, so if you... If you haven't voted yet and you want to get in your Dream Daddy votes, go for it. Um, or if you just want to become, uh, uh, if you want to join the Hunter Donaldson fan club, uh, you can totally do that. Um, and then the other one right now at first place, but with a slight lead. Yeah, not um, far ahead. Not, not super far ahead is um, a, a prelims mock tournament game where we play on the prelims map. But we can only um, play as the bottom six from our tier list, um, that being Arborek, Winu, Mentak, Ghost, Sardak, and Extra. Um, so those are the only factions that will be available, and we're going to play on the prelims map. Yes. Um, this was suggested uh, by one of the fan club members, uh, Tabes. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank our Space Kitties and Weird Bears, our Weird Bears, Billy and Ponchadori. And I want to thank our Space Kitties, Firoso, Scott Radom, Patience, TG Welch, Naderade, Mantis, Arwise, Umar, and our newcomer, Julian. Thank you for joining us. Uh, welcome thank to the you. club. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I want to throw, I wanna throw uh, this out there. I have video. Oh, wait, up, sorry. Right? I want to update something real quick. Yeah. Um, I want to say uh, for. Uh, so. We are kind of slowly making progress as far as merchandise goes. Um, I have for the pins, for the Space Kitty pins, um, I have an idea for the design and now have a designer that is willing to do it. Um, and I am looking into manufacturers, basically. So the pins are um, about to get, I, I think they'll probably be solid by the end of the month. Um, and then we were going to request them from the manufacturers and then get them. It's still, it's going to be a process. Yeah. Like a, I don't expect them to just show up at your door like tomorrow, um, but we will be updating you as we do that. And I'm really excited. The designer that agreed to do it is also the person that designed um, our logo. Our logo. So I'm really so excited to like have them back. It's going to be freaking cute. And I yeah. can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, we've got a root game from our uh, holiday spectacular up on the YouTube right now, and Hunter's going to get that Dune one up within kind of the next week or so. Yeah, uh, sounds like Friday is going to be a big uh, Hunter Donaldson fan club thing, and I think Saturday we're maybe planning. We haven't actually started playing it, but uh, Goodyear Brotherhood. Keep an eye out because we're probably going to try to get a Goodyear Brotherhood game in uh, because one of us needs to practice Hakan <laughs> before yep. we record a Hakan guide. Yeah. Oh, also this is important to note. Oh. Um, on the 16th, yep. we are playing Oath yes. with uh, Cole uh, Cole Worley and yep. um, Meeple Lady. We're playing with Meeple Lady, and I believe Ella Loves Board Games is going to be there as well. They're both uh, they're, uh, Ella Loves Board Games is from the uh, Variable Player Power podcast, oh, uh, who is sponsored by Leader Games. They're an awesome uh, LGBTQIA show, and uh, we're excited to play with kind of all of them. And uh, that will be on Leader Games' Twitch channel. So twitch.tv slash, I think it's Leader Games Media. Um, and then that will be 6 p.m. Central Time. And then Hunter and I will continue that arc Oh, my God. Yeah, we have to announce Every this. Saturday uh, for the following three weeks. Um, Oath isn't like a crazy long game, but we'll have about a two-ish hour, hour and a half, two-ish hour long stream every Saturday where we keep playing Oath because Oath is a game with persistent 
world elements to it so we get to see kind of how that world plays out over multiple sessions for the next month yes um oh my god i'm very very excited I'm about that super that super was a pretty big stupid. announcement i've been reading um, a rule book today yeah, and it's just yeah. making me uh freak out uh we've got a dune game coming up on the youtube we've got the root game up there so yeah lots of lots of stuff happening this this month on top of all this tournament stuff maybe you can see why we're not recording every single tournament game there's yeah. just a billion things happening all so at many once, other things that literally all i would be doing is uploading footage to youtube yeah that's all I, every week <laughs> i would just like my computer would just be a youtube machine of constantly sending a video right to the youtube sphere no, um i will stop s- uploading I want to know uh, that Dune game, very complimentary to this episode in a bad and good way. I play as Harkonnen. Yeah. I don't get to do a lot of the, like, things don't necessarily go the way I want to it to go. You know, it's a good example of, like, if this overall episode is like, here's what you should try and do. It's like the video is a good example of me being like, well, I didn't get to do it the way I wanted to. (laughs) Watch me fail is Harkonnen. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, You can find us uh, on Twitter at SpaceCatsPod. You can uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Facebook, BoardGameGeek. Our guild is guild slash 3103. Uh, You can join our Discord to get in on all the fun conversations. You get a lot of your Patreon benefits on Discord. Uh, Patreoners can do pre-errata for our Hakan guide next week we need lots there's gonna be so many thoughts on hakan because that faction is just out there so uh, we're gonna have lots of reading to do this week so please if you want to get in on that conversation and have your thoughts included in the episode uh consider being a patreoner on our uh patreon oh um also i just wanted to ask uh are we going to play oath that first saturday like our yep this coming saturday morning we got to find a group oh my god (laughs) oh my god okay so Please watch that. On the 18th, we yep. will be streaming uh, our first solo game as Oath, and we're going to play that as like an ongoing series. And it also, is a week of course, full of... I mean, you, we, you, you've got a stream on the 16th of us with Leader Games, on 17th of Hunter Donaldson Fan Club, on the 18th, uh, maybe two streams basically on the 18th, because we might stream the Goodyear Brotherhood game. We'll see. That's always up to the Goodyear Brotherhood. Of course. Um, and so you might have a weekend uh, jam-packed with content. Yep. I mean, I basically, I did so much stand-up the last couple of days that I, I did, I got on stage six times yesterday. That's disgusting. Um, so this, this weekend was, this past weekend was all about stand-up and this coming weekend, I'm just going to be None. gaming, just <laughs> gaming hard, like a, the gamer like I a am. gamer. I'm like a gamer. gamer. Who drinks gamer fuel. I'm, I'm going to have to have my gamer fuel shipped in. <laughs> my code red Mountain Dew. I can't leave the house. I have too much gaming. Thanks for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. The spice must flow.